Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We've made it, right? You know, uh, we've been going through the valleys, haven't we? Uh, Anybody uh, visited a few valleys in the last year? Several, several. You're like, yeah, I got the t-shirt, you know, I got the commemorative mug. Uh, We've been talking, we started out by talking about the valley of decision. Then we talked about the valley of vision. And we talked about the valley of obedience. We talked about the valley of surrender. And as I was going through all the valleys in scriptures, I was looking at that. But there's another valley. Thank goodness. There's the valley of victory. I, I, I got to tell you, I don't know about you, but a lot of what I have experienced as being Christianity has been an advertisement of victory, but no actual victory. And let me tell you, he's not good if he's not coming through. He's not good if there's not breakthrough. But... If you haven't gotten breakthrough yet, the story's not over, okay? So we hold these two things in tension. <clears throat> but I want to say is we want to raise our hope and our expectation today for the breakthroughs that God has for us. But, um, so that we'll go through the process. So um, if you guys have Bibles, I'll wait. If you've got Bibles, we're going to go. I found this valley called the Valley of Elah. Maybe you recognize the story. Said, there in the Valley of Elah, then it happened when the Philistine Goliath rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly down into the Valley of Elah, this wide open valley. And he ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into the bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Wow. Anybody love that story growing up? Anybody? You're like, woohoo! Yes, man, it's amazing. We have David. We have this incredible giant Goliath standing there in the middle of this Valley of Elah. Valley of Elah. Fascinating videos you can watch online about the Valley of Elah. It's this incredibly wide, flat plain that has a a river uh, running through it that's only really wet during winter and spring. But the problem is, do you know when people go, go to war in the ancient world? Spring, actually. Spring. It's during spring. And spring, so this whole thing has a muddy river going through the middle. And you have this, this valley of Eli is like the entryway to all of Israel. That's how you get to Jerusalem. That's, it's, it's the way that the Philistines came in. And during David's time, the people of Israel were dominated by the Philistines. The Philistines didn't care to conquer the Israelites. They just chose to make a withdrawal from them anytime they wanted. Anybody here get bullied as a kid? You know, you brought your lunch to school and the bully never brought his lunch. (laughs) He just took yours, right? That's exactly what the Philistines did. Every time it was about harvest time, they'd roll in and take what they wanted. And they would come through this, this, one of the main ways they came was through this valley of Elah. But this time the Israelites were waiting for them. 
And in order for them to come across, the Israelites are on one hill, the Philistines on the other, who whichever army tries to get across is completely exposed. And the archers and the spears will come flying and they'll, the army will be destroyed. So that they're at an impasse, right? The Philistines are on one side, the Israelites are on another. And then somebody has the genius idea, why don't we have a champion come out and fight, right? Well, we don't all have to die today. Let's just have one guy die, right? Uh, um, and so out they, so the Philistines are like, not a problem. And then from the back of the line, up comes Andre the Giant. You know, uh, based on cubits, he was probably about eight foot seven, which is a legit height, right? Uh, if you've seen Andre the Giant, <laughs> is, I mean, what I mean is, is that it is biologically real, right? In fact, all the weights you see involved, if you saw Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, you understand this is a real thing. And in fact, they've actually done studies genetically that, that the attributes that he had line up with a particular genetic deformity. And in fact, that, um, so there's just a number of attributes, fascinating stuff. But anyway, in the middle of this, Israel can't find a single hero to be found. And where do they find the hero? In a 16, 17-year-old young man. And what does he do? He runs to the battle. Anybody here, that when you read that, you're like, yeah, that's me! Never mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's a part of our heart that we want to be the person who runs to the battle. But we're afraid we're the ones who run from the battle, Right? And so how did David get there? How did David get to this valley of victory? And that's what I want to look at today. All right? So if you want to rewind back to chapter 16, we're not going to be reading through the whole thing. You can. And I said it before. If I look up and I see you reading the Bible, I'll be super happy. You can ignore me if you want to read the Bible. Totally legit. So here, here's the deal. Um, the first thing is, you got to understand, is that David was not a, necessarily a wanted kid. How, how do we know that? A couple things is we, we um, he gave a, there's a verse, Isaiah, uh, Psalm uh, 51, verse 5 says that, he says, surely I was sinful at birth. It actually means, it was, surely I was conceived in sin. There's a high likelihood that he was born out of wedlock. At the very least, he wasn't the son of the favored wife, whatever you will. And the sign of that is, is we have this story in chapter 16. Uh, there's Saul is a king in Israel. And instead of defeating the Philistines, he just stays alive. Anybody been in a, in a house or in a place where the goal of the people in charge is just to stay alive? Isn't that frustrating? You're like, ah, we could be getting ahead. Maybe you're in a business and you can see what they could do to grow and move this business forward. Or you're in a family and you're like, oh my gosh. If you're, right? Here's the deal. Saul is just getting by. And, and he's being disobedient to God in the process. And Samuel, Sam, God comes to Samuel, the prophet, and says, you need to go. I'm going to anoint another king. And Samuel goes down to the city of Bethlehem. And to, the way he covered what he was about to do, because it was an incredibly political thing, is he made it a festival. So they're having a festival. Imagine, 
Imagine, uh, gosh, well, it just happened. We, um, imagine, uh, oh gosh, well, I, Trump just came to town. So Trump came to town and Trump comes to town and you and everybody you know is invited, is given access to a special dinner or something, and you don't get invited. Kind of obvious at that point. This is what happens to him. He, everybody else gets invited to this incredible feast. They bring out, I mean, it's not just the amazing man Samuel's going to be there. They're actually having a party. Anybody here heard about a party you didn't get invited to? What did you think at that moment? rejected right and so what is David so Jesse what happens is Samuel goes down the line he's like oh he goes man this son of Jesse must be the king and and God says no and no no and they get down to the six of them and God still says no and Samuel goes now let by the way if you're if you're familiar with the prophetic this is a good example of how you do prophecy he has a word from the Lord that the son of Jesse is going to be king but now, none of the sons of Jesse are approved to be king. Anybody see a problem? This is normal conversation with God, if you've had a conversation with God. You know what I'm talking about. In this moment, what do you do? You do what Samuel did. Uh, God, what's going on? Don't act smart with God. He's a lot smarter. And so in that moment, God goes, listen, uh, I know these guys are good looking, but God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. And, and so he, so Samuel just goes, I don't know what to do. Uh, Jesse, do you got any more sons hidden here somewhere? Like, you know, and Jesse's like, oh yeah, this is another sign that he was not wanted. Why was he hidden away? Because caring for sheep was what the job you gave to the people who had no value. And, uh, as we talked about, you guys remember Psalm 23, uh, sheep are not very smart. It's not hard to keep up with sheep, right? You don't, so that was usually given to the person who did the worst in school. They're like, you know, they quit after second grade and they're like, no, you go watch sheep. So that was, and so here he is, he, they, nobody respects him. Nobody recognizes his value. He doesn't get to go to the feast. His father's rich enough that he has servants. And yet still David's the one out there with the sheep. His servants are at the party and he's not. In this place, in this place of not being wanted, what does he do? In this place where he is, he comes out and Samuel goes, you're anointed. What I would say is that being unwanted is a valley. Anybody? Anybody struggle with your heart when you're rejected? Anybody, when you're passed over, when other people are chosen? You're, being unwanted is that hard place that you have to navigate. And if you don't navigate it well, anybody here? I've had seasons where I had rejected written across my forehead. Do you know what you have when you're, you have rejected written across your forehead? Do you know what happens? You're rejected. You're re <laughs> Hi, my name is rejected. Great, we'll reject you. Hi, my name is rejected, right? If you don't navigate the valley of rejection, and we are all rejected. It said he was rejected. Jesus was rejected, Right? Listen, if we don't navigate rejection, we will not get to the other side. So what happens is he's rejected. He's sent out to do. Anybody here given really bad jobs to do? Four of us? Really? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, anybody here? 
If you don't learn how to navigate the valley of the bad job, I am so much better than this. Why am I cleaning toilets? Right? If there's this thing of how do I navigate this valley of the unwanted job? But finally, somebody recognizes David's worth. And then Samuel anoints him. Now, the crazy thing about anointing is they would anoint with about a gallon of oil that had been soaked in about, I think, like 50 pounds of herbs and spices. You know, they roll up and they're like, and now you're a future king. It was like the Gatorade, you know, at the football game. You're like, you know, he's got twigs sticking out of his hair and he's like, yeah, he's stinky. He's stinky. In that moment, hey guys, so uh, you guys ready to recognize how awesome I am? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. I am now the favored son. Yes, you are. You may now go back to the sheep. Now, how do you think his brothers felt about David in that moment? Not you, Abinadad. Not you, Elihu. Not you, Anywho. Not you, not you, not you. Yeah, none of you cut. No, there's surely there's some pathetic loser around here. Oh yeah, David. <laughs> One of the most trying valleys you can go through is actually promotion in the face of your enemies. Behold, I prepare a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. Woo! Anybody gone through that? In the presence of friends. Have you ever done this? You finally got the break that you've been praying for. Yes, Lord, finally. Maybe you got a new house. And this is how your friends are like, I didn't get a new house. Why did you get a new house? I Anybody? Anybody done that? You shared your good news with people and their response was what? What happened to your heart? Got a little hard? Come on, let's be real with me here. What it? Your heart was exposed. What? Sank a little. I'll tell you what. I'm going to... Right? That is a valley, actually, when you're promoted in the presence of... It's, it's hard. It's hard. You navigate that. Come on. Come on. So there he is, kind of like Joseph in his coat of many colors. David, I think, did a little bit better than Joseph just because he didn't end up in Egypt. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying, brothers are brothers are brothers. If you grew up with brothers, you know that Egypt's always an option. <laughs> you know, Joseph is kind of like, look at my coat. And David's like, I'll take the sheep. I'm good. I'm good. Out here, you can't hit me, right? So then, in the middle of this, out there, while he's out there with the sheep, he is caring for the sheep. Anybody here had a job you're too good to do? And so you did it poorly? David doesn't do that. David cares for the sheep. We have evidence of that. But not only that, he has a lot of free time on his hands, right? Because sheep don't go anywhere. <laughs> don't wander off. Ah, right? You know what I mean? That's it. So he sits there. So he takes up the harp, you know, because that's a harpy thing to do. You know, he's out there with the harp. He's singing to a, uh, an incredibly enthused audience, you know, <laughs> that only knows one song. Ah. Anyway, and he's, so he's out there and he's working on his craft. Anybody here been in a pause? I call it the elevator. 
I had a job at uh, Kennesaw State University. I, um, <laughs> it's a little scary. I'd never worked for government before. And um, I got the entire semester's worth of work and learned how to do the job in the first three weeks I was there. And stole somebody else's project by accident. Because I was looking for things to do. And finally, they're like, you're just going to cause problems. Listen, we know where you are. We'll know what you'll do. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, be in your office. I was like, okay, I can be in my office. And they're like, you can do anything you want. Just be in your office. I was like, I can do that. I worked it out. I was working about three hours out of 40 a week. Why am I here surrounded by sheep? Right? And God said, what's this for? What's this for? And God began to put on my heart to build some things that we called Summer Arise programs. And began to build websites, began to build materials to help people learn how to hear God's voice. What if your pause is for you to develop your craft and to develop who you're made to be so you're ready for the next season that you think you're already ready for? Anybody here think you're already ready for the next season? If it's not here yet, then there's something missing. So he's out there playing the harp, and guess what happens? The king ends up with an evil spirit on him. Anybody served under a king with an evil spirit? Don't nudge anybody. Um, But in that moment, they're like scared for their lives. They're like, seriously, music soothes the savage beast. Let's get this. Let's find a harpist. I heard David. Imagine your first paying gig. He looks fit to kill. Get David in here. Right? Like anybody here been promoted to an impossible situation? Why do you want to kill me? There's a valley of the impossible situation you come into. If you have been put in an impossible task, perhaps it's not you who's supposed to do it, but God wants to do it through you. His strength is made perfect in what? Our weakness. If you are put in an impossible situation, you really only have two choices. Lay down and die or stand up and pray. And in that moment, in this case, stand up and play. (laughs) Boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. I don't know how great a harpist was, but he wasn't that good a harpist. I don't care what your music is. It's not going to do that. And so as a result, he's in an impossible situation. He's thrown as food for the wolves and he comes out smelling like roses. And then sent back to what? But he was given a role as an armor bearer for the king, but apparently still sent back to the sheep. Anybody here, you get a promotion, and the more you get promoted, the more things stay the same? That's a valley. That's a valley. But he's still, he's still, he's not bailing on his sheep. Anybody here got promoted and quit caring about the things you were supposed to be caring about? Only me? Awesome. Okay, so he goes, and what's, what happens is he, there is his sheep. And I don't know about you, but I'd be tempted right now to not really care about my sheep at this point. And, and anybody know what I'm talking about? Go do these reports yourself. Right? What does he do, though? In the middle of nowhere, first he gets thrown to the wolves with, with Saul. Now, out of nowhere comes a lion. Yeah. Yeah, which one do you want? I can gift wrap it for you. Do you want me to? I can send it to the butcher for you. 
right? Anybody here going to risk your life for a bunch of sheep? But David does. And it gets worse than a bear. If you know anything about bears, don't play with bears. Don't do it. Bear shows up and he says he grabs it by, grabbed it by the mane. That's right. That's a little too close to the chompers. In that place, what does he do? Why does he do this? Why does he continue to go through the valley? Do you guys remember what the word is on his life? King. Do you remember how Moses trained to lead a nation? Shepherd. Shepherd. I believe David had his eye on the promise so he didn't lose it in the valley. And he processed the valley that was in front of him through the promise God had given him. Okay, God, I'm staring at a bunch of really stinky sheep. I'm... I I don't see the promise. Keep looking. Where's the promise? Where's the promise? What is it in this that's preparing me for that? What is it that's not in me right now that you want to put in me so that I'll be ready to rule? If you've known a four-year-old, you know they're all confident that they could rule a nation. You know, I'm, I'm ready. Just give me the keys to the kingdom. Anybody here thought you were ready and then found out you weren't ready? If you have not yet been promoted, praise God, because the worst thing you can do is climb into your promotion yourself out of season because you will die. You're not ready. And so David looks, David cultivates his relationship with God. That's the worship piece. And he promotes and he takes advantage of every opportunity given him, no matter how slimy, no matter how messy, no matter how much nobody sees my value. Nobody sees what I'm made of. He deals with his heart and he keeps pressing through no matter the valley. And the evidence is when crisis time comes, he is what? Jesus described as a good shepherd because he does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. God doesn't want to promote you in leadership. He'd rather promote a wolf than promote you in leadership if you're not ready to lay down your life for your sheep. Because it will kill you and them. And so, so still he's fighting through it. So you keep thinking, I, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little tired if I'm David. Anybody here? get tired? I realized why I would get tired in the battle is because I thought we were made for vacation. I didn't think we were made for a battle. Anybody here, you're like, oh, finally we can rest. Oh no, we're back to the battle again. Now I can rest. Oh, back to the battle again, right? Anybody notice that's what life looks like? Four of us? Do you know what I'm talking about? That it seems like it's one battle after another. I just can't get a break. Why is it always a battle? Maybe because we were born into a war. Maybe we were born into a war. Maybe the only time David really got in trouble was in the springtime when kings went out to war, David did what? Stayed home. And that's when it all came loose. Anybody been dumb? Taking a break? We were on a break. Right? In that moment, what does he do? He still stays in the battle. We are made for the battle. We are made. We will not be victorious. We will not be through the valley of victory if we don't actually engage the battles. 
if we're looking for an easy way, that's called laying down and dying. The reality is victory lies through the valleys. Victory lies through the valleys. It lies in the mouth of the lion. It lies in the maw of the bear. But he keeps pressing in. He's not giving up. He's managing his heart. He's forgiving his brothers. Why? We see it in the language. I don't know about you, but I would not be as generous. But anyway, he keeps going. And then, out of that, in that point, the Philistines attack. Oh, my goodness. Now, remember, for years now, he's known he's going to become king. Do you think he's been fantasizing about being king? Think he's thinking about how he would do things if he was in charge? Who are my people? You know who you are. If I was in charge. I don't know about you, but when it came to this whole online and face-to-face education, I said, praise God, I'm not in charge. That's all I got to say. I I would not make the right decision. Whatever it was, and they would feed me to the wolves, whoever it was. Anyway. But that, that's the thing is, is in this place, he's fantasizing about this and he comes up to, and, and, but when it comes time, the big moment, the Philistines are attacking. Finally, Saul has grown a spine and he's standing up to the Philistines. Everybody goes off to war. And where is David? Bah. Nobody sees his value. If your identity and if your mission, your calling is up for a vote, you'll always be voted out of office. Do you track what I'm saying? Nobody saw his value. Anybody here, you tr- you've done this? I've done it. You run around telling people, God said I'm going to be this. <laughs> yeah, li- not likely. God said I'm going to be this. Not, not highly likely. Wait, well, I'm going to do it. Anybody? Anybody done that? You've, you've run around sharing the, the dream of your heart with people. And what did they do to it? Yeah, spit on it, rejected you, gave you that polite smile. Well, isn't that nice? (laughs) If your identity and your calling is up for a vote, you will be constantly mad at everybody for not voting for you. But it's not a vote. It's an anointing to become a king. And who makes the king? It's God. In due season, he will do what? lift you up. So in this point, he's managing his heart. He's dealing with this and he's still back with the sheep. But God, you said. And what happens? Hey, hey, David, we, uh, the boys at the front lines are hungry from not doing anything. And, uh, since nobody else has left because all the good people went to the war. Yeah. Could you, uh, could you run a, a delivery out there? Yeah, 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 just take some sandwiches. Now, anybody here at this point would be tempted to tell Jesse some things? <laughs> Prophesy over his destiny? Bring a word of discernment and judgment over his life? What does David say? Aye, aye, Captain. And he runs to the battle and he's, why? Because he's running toward the battle. Do you hear me? What direction is he running? His life, he has been running toward battle. That's why he ran towards Goliath. Because his life was running toward battle, not running away from it. You run toward it in the small battles, so in the big battles you run towards it. And in that moment, he runs, he, he brings his sandwiches out to his brothers, and his brothers go 
thank you so much. You guys remember what the brother said? Oh, look at that. Here to, you just can't stay home, do the sheepy stuff you're supposed to do. You're out here looking, trying to, you know, spy on the cool battle stuff that they are not doing. <laughs> but David doesn't stumble over their rejection. He doesn't stumble over them. He's a little ticked, but he doesn't stumble. Why? Because he doesn't stop. He goes, hey, hey, hey. I heard a little rumor that the guy who kills Goliath gets to marry the king's daughter. Yeah. And what does that have to do with you and your sheep? Uh, stay with me. And I heard you get free taxes. Yeah. What does that have to do with you? I was, and you get a whole lot of good loot. Uh-huh. I st- Just get out of here, you idiot. Got it. Got it. Moving on. You're not a roof. Hey. What does he do? He asks again about what is at stake. Three times he asks people what's involved. Listen, it's not, he's not suicidal. For the joy set before him, he's willing to endure the battle. It's not masochism. It's not trying to abuse yourself. It's not going, oh, here we go again. That heart, if you go into battle with, here we go again, you will be destroyed. Goliath will come up. He won't even use the sword. He'll just bunk you with the shield. You know, anybody here gone into a battle that way? How did it turn out for you? Can I get a witness? (laughs) And, And may it be to you according to your faith. You tracking with me? But what is David? David has been running to the battle. But before he runs to a crazy battle, he wants to find out whether it's worth it. He doesn't leap off a cliff. He's been working up to it. But even so, what does he do? He does things in proper order. Well, if Saul's not going to go on these guys, I'll go take care of him myself. Does he do that? Where does he go? He goes to King Saul. Hey, Saul, you remember me, the harpist and your armor bearer? Yeah, no, I don't remember you. What? What? Saul doesn't remember him. You know the guy that keeps you from killing other people? Nope, doesn't ring a bell. The guy you gave promotion said I was really awesome? No, nothing. Anybody here been forgotten? Anybody? Like you thought, surely now this is my breakthrough. Now I've made an impact. Now I've made a mark. Surely now people see my value. David doesn't stumble. He keeps his heart. He says, fine, here, king. It doesn't matter. You don't remember me, but I am ready. I want to go forth. And what does the king do? The king goes, wow, that's amazing. I've been waiting for a guy to do that. Does he say that? The king goes, (laughs) oh, yes, lovely idea. His calling and his identity And his preparation has never been up for a vote. So even the king's failure to see his value doesn't make him stumble. Then the king says, fine, I'm going to give you what? My armor. There's a couple of reasons why he's doing that. If the guy wearing the king's armor defeats Goliath, who gets the glory? But more than that, 
I, so I, I gotta, you got to understand this. Armor in that time, especially among the Israelites, was like he was willing to give him the, the next generation body armor like, like RoboCop level. That's what he was going to get. Because, you know, you know, David's just walking up there with a little loincloth and a little cloth over him going, this should stop things, right? And he's giving, going to offer him RoboCop. What is that? Does David, what does David say? He tries it on, but he recognizes this is not for me because I haven't tested it. I don't have a victory with this. I, I've watched this many times when people are starting to rise into destiny and people start to recognize the grace that's on their lives. They'll invite them into the room right? Maybe they're doing really well at business. They'll invite them into the room and then ask them to do business the way everybody else does business. I can't do that. I got here because God showed me what to do and I was obedient. But you're a, you're a business genius. No, I'm, <laughs> no, pretty, I'm about as dumb as the sheep. I just follow Jesus. Oh, in that moment, he doesn't go. He, he goes from the victories. See, if he had taken Saul's armor all those victories he gotten up to that point would have been meaningless for the victory that he needed. See, you, God had been preparing him for this moment his whole life. But when we try to step out of what God's been doing in our lives and try to step into, a lot of times it looks like it's a, it's a shortcut. What do you think would have happened if David had worn the armor out? Anybody, who, who here is a football player? Was a football player. Do you guys know what the first time you practice with pads? They funk all the stomach. It changes everything. You're out there running and suddenly, okay, we're good. David, his whole life has been practicing without pads and now they want to put tons and tons of weight on him. He says, no, even though it would protect me, I'm going to go through. So he goes in and now finally he's facing Goliath. And what does he do? When he sees Goliath, he runs towards him. But do you know what? He does this interesting thing. He gathers up five stones because David's already looking past Goliath because on the line of the, of the, of the Philistine army are four more giants who are the brothers of Goliath. David's like, see, David is committed to a life of battle, so he's not looking for a retreat and he's not looking to rest. He's looking to war. And so when he goes for Goliath, he's already, he's like looking past Goliath. He's not looking. See, if I'm just trying to kill Goliath, a lot of times I'm just looking for survival. Anybody here? If your victory is survival, you will die. But if your victory is more than conquerors, bam, out of my way, Goliath. I'm going for the rest of the sons of Anak. If you have that mission heart, his mission is not to kill Goliath. His mission is to be what? King. He's looking past Goliath. But a lot of times when we've been in the trenches for a while, we're just like, I just want a day without a battle. I just want a day with, can we just not have a fight today? That's the day you die from personal experience. <laughs> And in that moment, he runs to him and he takes out Goliath. And then what does he do? He takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head. 
there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Bible stories that are not going to make it into uh, the children's programs <laughs> for obvious reasons. But I want to tell you this is life is messy. Life is messy. War is messy. But do you know in all of this thing, the only thing that David had authority over was himself. All he had authority over was how he managed his heart with the bad jobs he was given, with the, the, the rejection he was given, with the problems he was given, the battles he was given. For a long time, every time I faced a battle, this was my response. Why me? Anybody? No? I'm Literally, I'm not joking. And God's like, I'm serving Goliath up to you on a silver platter. And he's, I'm like, why me? I was like, normally you'd have to go all the way to Gath, but I brought him here to you. Aren't you excited? But, but why me? What if your valley is your victory? What if your valley is a setup to victory? What if your valley, what if your rejection is preparing you to be king? What if your, your bear and your lion is training for reigning? It's a mind shift. It's a mindset shift that what if I'm not a victim? What if Goliath is? What if he's my victim? Come on. And so what I would ask right now is we, the worship team comes. I, we are, every single one of us has a battle. If you don't have a battle, it's because you probably haven't gotten out of bed. I'm just saying. I, I, I mean, there's been precious few moments I'm like, I have no battle. Oh, never mind. Right? If you, whatever your battle is, I would just ask, let's just take a moment. Close your eyes. David wanted to know what was the benefit of facing Goliath. Just ask God, God, if I'm victorious here, not just survive, not just pay the next bill, but I'm truly victorious, what does that look like? What's the victory? How, am, how are you preparing me to fulfill my promises? What does that look like? What is the joy set before me that I'm willing to go through this process? What is that? God, and if you, like me, have, this, have had this in your heart, that every time there was a problem, God must hate me. God, I repent for believing you were out to get me when you were really out to promote me. God, I repent from believing that the enemy could do anything to me, but that everything the enemy does, you will turn to my good, even though you never intended it. And that every time the enemy is dumb enough to stick his nose in my life, I get an upgrade. Every time the enemy rolls up, I get an upgrade. And so, Lord, I repent for believing that battles are my graves. Battles are my victory today. Let's stand in worship.